Peter. Second Peter, if you turn there. And again, appreciate all the those who've worked hard and enjoyed being around the kids and being around all the excitement. And um, Second Peter, uh, chapter one, and let's just read a, a first couple of verses here. Um, also tonight, we are going to start every second week practicing with the, the True North Summit Choir, and so pray for that as well. We're, we're coming up into the winter season and, and coming into our True North Summit time, and so we're preparing for that busily. Um, Simon Peter, verse 1, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain, pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, what a great opening to this great book. Last week we spoke about First Peter and the purpose of that and, and drew some conclusions from that. But here Paul's letters, when you consider both of them, was to strengthen the believers and, and the, really the reasons were twofold. Right? The, the first that we, we spoke about last week was to encourage them to keep the faith in the midst of suffering. Okay, he spoke about those perils without. But this second epistle is to encourage them to know the truth in the face of mounting heresies and apostasies. And that's perils within. All right, so considering uh, his imminent death, Peter wanted to prepare his readers for the time when he would no longer be with them. And that's a good, that's a good mentality, really, for all of us. We're preparing those who are going to come behind us. And so saying they, they needed then to press on to spiritual maturity, beware of apostasy, and be assured of the Lord's certain coming. You consider Paul's last letter that we spoke about in 2 Timothy, like Peter's, he gives warning to believers. All right, uh, Both seem to be saying it's not so much how you start in the faith, but how you continue. And so Paul warns of heresy, coldness, and indifference in the church, but here, Peter is going to warn of heresy in the pulpit, false teachers. So both stress the importance of the Word of God as a solution to events in perilous times. Uh, if we were to summarize the whole book in one sentence, we could say, as, Christian, uh, as Christians grow in their understanding, they will be safeguarded from false teachers, especially those who deny the return of Christ and the end of the world as it now exists. There's some of the key facts of the book. It's the 61st book of your Bible. Author is Peter. We spoke about who that is. Three chapters, 61 verses, 1,559 words. If you look at the, the key word, the key word is knowledge. That appears in your, uh, in your Bible in the, this book 16 times. The, the whole premise of the book was Peter writing to give knowledge of certain things prior to his death. 
but their knowledge is also mentioned several times specifically referring to the knowledge of Christ. Thus, to combat error, you must know the truth. Right? Jesus said, I am the truth. And, and um, the key verse is 2 Peter 1.12, where it says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. And so he's, he, he was recounting to them and re-emphasizing some of these things that they've already known. Ever noticed that, that preachers are very good at repeating themselves? Uh, ever notice that sometimes you're, you're going, well, not again, preacher, not that again. All right, because, because some things need to be repeated. They need to be repeated over and over again uh, to establish the present truth. All right, so a couple of interesting facts about this book. Okay, so First Peter was written, again, to combat persecution. Okay, trials from without. Second Peter was written to combat apostasy, perils from within. Um, this epistle is the only place where uh, contains the only in, interconnective reference okay, from one apostolic uh, epistle to another. Okay, so what I'm saying is um, Peter refers here and, and nowhere else in Scripture to Paul's writing. All right, so Peter refers to Paul's writing. We see that in chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. 2 um, Peter gives information uh, also on a variety of subjects beside uh, apostasy, it's a key text on the inspiration of scriptures. Many of you probably in, in, in discipleship and going through that has referred to chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. It's also a classic text on the destruction of the universe in chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. And then it's also a valuable comment on, on concerning, again, Paul's epistle and the validity of that. Um, Second Peter and Jude okay, are sister books. Okay, out of 25 verses in Jude, no less than 19 are reiterated in, first, uh, in Second Peter. And so you might be thinking, was there, you know, was there copying there? Did they plagiarize each other? All right, no. The, the apostles had often traveled together and continually heard one another preach the same thing over and over to different congregations. Okay, so, so in that day, those things that were taught then became part of the common Christian um, vocabulary. Uh, this epistle is the only New Testament book after the four Gospels to mention Christ's transfiguration okay, in chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. So it's just some, some specific and interesting facts there regarding this book. So what's the purpose and theme? The purpose, firstly, is to remind his readers of God's provisions for salvation and spiritual maturity. So he challenges them about the fact that they've been saved, but now they are to give dil diligence to some things. They're supposed to be diligent to add to their faith all of those things listed that we just read. But then also to warn of the dangers of apostasy. Basically, the whole of chapter 2 deals with that. Okay, but then also to assure them concerning the Lord's return in chapter 3. And so all of these things that, that Peter writes was a, as a, really was to remind them of those things. There, there's several themes in the, in the book, Grace and Knowledge to Combat Heresy and False Teachers. Uh, Christ's return and the destruction of the world as our motive to live right. Those, those are, are themes that are discussed right through the book. Um, a quick outline of the book, you could, you could subtitle it Knowledge versus Apostasy. Firstly, we see uh, in, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, knowledge and the Christian life. 
then we can subdivide it in, in chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 12, right down to the end, verse 21, knowledge and the Word of God, and then uh, knowledge and the second coming, okay, uh, right through. So the type of Christ, as we think about that, then is Jesus the truth, which means he's the antidote to error, all right? Um, really, there's, there's two, two things when, when false teachers want to attack the deity of, of Jesus Christ, and um, there were those who were deity deniers, but there were those who were second coming deniers. So there's two ways that, that, um, that form errors concerning Christ. So here's, here's the, he's the antidote. So the type of Christ we see is Jesus the truth. He's the truth. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But now notice what he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And, and if, again, we, we somewhat discussed it on, on um, Sunday night regarding regarding 1 Timothy about the warnings about um, those who will fall away and those, uh, the, the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We spoke about the fact that the litmus test for, for that is the, the deity of Jesus Christ, what, what they believe about that. And, and so really, as we think about this book, we see Jesus as the truth, all right? as the antidote to error. That's, that's a type of Christ that we see predominantly here in Second Peter. And so, let's, let's get to some application here. And I want to just talk about tonight about truth. Truth and why it matters. And, and really, this is the whole premise of the book. Uh, let's read again, look at, look at chapter 1, verse 12. He says again, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. So from that, what we garner is this. He kept reminding them. He always gave them remembrance of these things. And then notice what he says, though you know them. And you know, sometimes in the, in the Christian life, um, we approach times here uh, where we gather to be taught the Word of God. And, and for many of you who've been saved for quite a while, there's going to be times where the things that we hear sound pretty repetitive and you already know them. But understand this, that there's a, there's a great need in our time to repeat truth. All right, over and over again. Because we need to reinforce it. And, and he says, and be established in the present truth. You know, the, those things that we, we sometimes take for granted that we know we need to hear over and over again. And, and I'll give you some, some reasons why truth, why it matters, but perhaps the greatest identifying characteristic of the devil is his deceit. You know, it's been, it's been fun to watch the, the, um, the skits that we've been doing here, you know, with the Holiday Bible Club. And there's a character, uh, the bad guy in the Western, right? And his, knee, his name is Deceiver. And, and it's true, the, the, the devil in his characteristic is, is a characteristic of deceit. You think about how, how man fell 
what did the devil do? He twisted the truth into a lie. Didn't he? In John 8, 44, he says, You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He, 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 he speaks, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so we see that, that the, the character of the devil is deceit. He's there to spread lies. And, and if you think about that, that's in direct contrast to who God is. Okay, God, His Word is truth, the Bible tells us. In John 17, 17, His Son is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. But then also, the Bible tells us that He's a God who cannot lie. And so, all about... God is all about truth. Truth. And it's in, in direct contrast to our, our, our enemy, the devil. And so because of this, we must, as God's people, be characterized by truth. We, we must search for, we must embrace, and we must live truth and love truth. So realize that the devil will constantly seek to turn us from truth into falsehood. And so Peter writes to address this very idea. That's why he says, you know, he's, gonna, he's not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things and be established in the present truth. So he emphasizes that by, by saying a couple of things. Firstly, he emphasizes that, that, that we ought to know the Bible. We read it earlier, but in verse 4 he says, Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. And we need to know the Word of God. We need to know what the Bible says. Uh, we, we need to understand that that's the thing that's going to help us, uh, help us be, uh, make right choices and right decisions. It's not, it's not any, uh, anything else, but we must know the Word of God. He emphasizes knowing the Bible. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the, the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then the concern that he shared with them is that they, would, they, that they would not fall back from truth into error. He says in verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And so what he was saying to them was, was you know, um, I write these things to you, I'm trying to emphasize the fact that you, you need the Word of God to know the truth, but I'm writing this to you so that you don't fall from these things. So, so you're established in it. And then we move on, and the whole, whole of chapter 2 is basically an argument against false teachers. And again, it's, it's, it's vital that we as believers, uh, we need to arm ourselves with the ability to recognize such that is mentioned here in chapter 2. You know, if we don't, if, if we don't and we remain teachable sooner or later, uh, we're going to allow ourselves to fall under the spell of a false teacher. And so we must arm ourselves and recognize some of the characteristics of these false teachers. All right, look at Second Peter chapter 2 now. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as were, there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them 
and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And you know, we're already in a world where the truth is evil spoken of, aren't we? Um, I don't know if you've been following a little bit of the media, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that, that I, I know this, this fellow, but he's sort of been in the media recently about what he believes the Bible to say, Israel Folau. Um, we know him as a sportsman, and, and you know, someone said, well, you know, he's from this thing, I, don't, I really don't know him, but hey, at least he's making a stand, <laughs> right? Some of us can't even do that in our workplaces. And he's doing it publicly, and he's a public figure. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you, see, you see this sort of thing. And, and you know, the, the world and, and his, his, the organization that he's playing for, uh, Rugby Australia, they're not really, they're not against Israel Folau. You know what they are against? They're against the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the fact that, that you know, he's quoted some verses that speak about the fact that homosexuality is a sin. And so no one, they don't like that. It's offensive to the world. And that's where the Bible says here, you know, the truth shall be evil, evil spoken of. And, and here it's in reference to, to also false teachers, false prophets. And notice here in verse 3, their inner motivation, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And so, notice there, their inner motivation is almost always financial. They want to make the, the truth more palatable so that it doesn't offend, so that, that it draws more of a crowd. So it's more acceptable by the general consensus of the day. He says later on in verse 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. You know that story? He was a prophet for hire. And he proclaimed judgments based on what, what he was given. And it just reminds us so much, of the, uh, so much of the lukewarm kind of Christianity that we see today. And, and we, we see that that's, that's a, the, a characteristic of those that are false teachers. In verse 14, notice there um, as well, notice this. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Also we see that these false teachers, their life is often marked by sexual immorality. And, and, there's a, there's, and we're seeing that more and more, aren't we, today? The sad reality of that. So many preachers falling because of sexual immorality. What a sad day we live in. But, but we're, we're living in, in a day where there's many false teachers. In verses 18 to 19, he says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean, escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. And what he's saying is, is their method is to attract crowds by giving them spiritual permission to live according to their lusts. 
And, um, and you know, I was just, I was just watching a couple of, uh, couple of uh, TV spots of some famous, you know, um, hipster preachers of the day. And again, I don't know them personally, but a lot of them, they're just very permissive in the way that they live and they, uh, the way that their congregants live. They, they no longer preach about holiness. They're, they're, they're preaching about fitting in. They're preaching about, you know, making sure that, yes, you love your neighbor, and the way you do that is you don't offend. But folks, listen. Living truth and saying truth at times does offend. And sometimes we have to. Out of love, we must tell truth. And, you know, I was, I was watching, you know, different things, and, and, um, and you know, you, you, could, you could look at some of the extremes. You could look at a, a guy like Carl Wentz, who's a, the pastor of Hillsong, New York City. Uh, and if you don't know him, he's Justin Bieber's pastor, all right? But, but the guy is just smacks of the world. And he won't, condo- he, he won't condemn anything. He, he's sort of like the hipster version of, uh, of Joel Osteen, all right? If you can just picture that in your mind. But he, he leads a lot of celebrities, and, and you know what? Their celebrities don't change. They just sort of like live whatever. They just dress whatever they want. They just sort of go about, and they just, they, 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 don't, they look nothing like holiness. And the words that come out of their mouths, they're not changed. Their ambitions and their attitude, they're just like the world. But, but uh, supposedly this is a church, uh, an evangelical church. And, and, you know, no doubt some of you, so, some of us here, we're, we're sort of getting uncomfortable with this line of teaching already tonight. Because the, this world is against truth. And, and, and the more we're, we're living in this time, as we learned on, on Sunday night, we're, we're not getting closer to, we're not getting closer to what, what we ought to be. We're moving further and further away. The more time passes, the more there is a falling away. And, and we're living in those times. You know, we, we can look at so many other things. We can look at Mormons and polygamy, Catholics and the acceptance of alcohol and tobacco. We can look at contemporary evangelicals and their complete absence of preaching against anything. And then after talking about these false prophets, uh, for pushing a gospel of loose living, Peter emphasizes the truth of holiness with the motivation of the second coming. Look, look at chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a, a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons... Ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless." He's saying, understand the future. Uh, understand where we're at. 
there's false teachers, there's all of those things, but understand where, the, where this whole thing is headed. It's going to be destroyed one day. And all of those things that, that we, we supposedly clamored for that, that seemed to, uh, to satisfy us in that moment, all of that's just going to be gone. And he's saying here, it's gone and you better live accordingly. You better live with this attitude that, you know, because of that, I'm going to live holy and blameless. And so he goes, and, and the idea here is he's trying to shed some truth of the matter. He points them to the, the Word of God. He wants them to, to recognize and be against false teachers. And then he calls them to holiness in complete contrast to the call of the false teachers. And so here it is. This is why truth matters, thinking of all of that. One, because it's our protection from what is false. If we're going to navigate through this life and we're going to navigate through all of the, all of the ins and outs of this life, Considering the time that we have, that we are in, and the time that we have, we're going to need to defend ourselves with truth if we're going to see what is false. And so our protection from what is false is, is the truth of the Word of God. So firstly, why truth matters, it's because it's our defense. You know, you're, there's going to come a, a time where, where why we live the way we live is going to, if you're living right, by the way, is going to be called into question, and your only defense is going to be the Word of God. And you know, many of us, maybe some of us, uh, we're not comfortable with that. But here's what I'm saying. If you, don't, if you don't submit yourself to the truth of the Word of God, what you're actually doing is walking around defenseless. So why truth matters? Firstly, it's our protection from what is false. Secondly, it's our purpose and manner of living. You know, it is, it's our direction. Uh, you know, the sad reality is many times as we observe um, Christianity at large, many times there's no purpose. M many times, you know, it, you'd be hard, hard uh, it'd be hard for you to tell the difference between a Christian and an unbeliever. But we're, we're meant to be, there's meant to be a contrast between light and darkness, Right? And so there's a direction. It's our purpose and manner of living. Um, you know why many people, they don't understand how to live because they're not in the Word of God. They're not actually, they're not actually, they're not, they're not coming into truth and allowing truth to, to be part of who they are. But then lastly, it's our prompting to keep looking upward. And he's saying there right here in chapter 3, that's our drive. The truth is our drive. The truth of the matter is, is this world won't be one day. And so why is our drive so, ma so many times the temporal of this world? Hey, some of you young people, you're so caught up in the drive of this world, you you've forgotten where, where, where we're supposed to be looking. We're not meant to be looking around at everyone else and, and seeing how we're supposed to be like them. No, we're meant to be looking upward and saying, Lord, help me to live the way I ought to live. Help me to, to do what I'm supposed to do for you. I'm, that's my drive. That's my motivation. Um, this world, this world is, is not going to be one day. God's just going to destroy this with fervent heat. And, and all of those things, that, all of those accolades that we, we were striving for, all of those material things, 
it's going to literally go up in smoke. And many times we, we buy the lies and the falsehood of these peddlers who peddle us an untruth, a falsehood. And, and what I'm saying is sometimes we just need reminding of the reality of, where, what, of what we're supposed to be. And we need to wake up to that. And, you know, we must, again, as God's people, we must search for, embrace, live, and love the truth. We must realize that, that we're living in a time where there's, there's just falsehood. And the only truth is, is the, the, the truth of the Word of God. And, and we better learn it. We better take every opportunity to, to be reminded. We better, um, we better not just be, uh, be uh, inactive in our, in our listening. We, we better not be disconnected to the times we're being taught the Word of God. We better not be disconnected from the, the truth of the Word of God. We better just be in it and we better be learning and growing and understanding that, you know, we only have this time. And soon to be, I believe, as we look around, this, this world will no longer be. And, you know, let's not buy into the falsehoods of our day. All right, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless. Father, thank you.